Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion and in this episode we are going to be resuming a bit of normal service. There's been a lot that's been going on over the winter break but we thought we'd do a bit of a news catch up. Uh, not necessarily an emergency podcast, but in the wake of the new season and pre-season testing, there are a few little stories that we haven't really talked about too much. So I thought it would be a nice opportunity to bring it all together for one news roundup, if you like, and just get our thoughts and our takes on that and pretty much get that one done before the season starts, really. So joining me on this episode, we've got the regular DNF1 panel member, Lee Wallington, joining me on this episode. Lee... I think I said that a few times. Lee, how are you doing, mate? Let's let's get on with it. How are you doing, mate? All good? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a few times, but it's all good, more than merry. Um I'm good, thank you for asking, Adam, and I hope you are as well. Yeah, I'm all right. Can't complain too much. Uh, you'd think after four years of doing this, I'd finally get my head around and get used to being able to say the right thing on point, but as you can tell, no, pretty much absolutely mudded on this one. The winter break has been a very crazy time to be honest so it feels really strange that we are embarking on a brand new season very very soon I think the first race of the season is only a couple of weeks away I just wanted to round off everything that's happened so far during this winter break it's been very unique considering we were expecting a quiet winter break so I'm just going to round things off in no particular order do we have so enough time Oh yeah, we definitely have enough time. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff to talk about, but uh, th- this is just a recap for those of you that have been following this or for those of you that have been under a rock during this winter break and hibernating until F1 has come back. This is a list of everything that has currently happened during the F1 winter break so far. So Gunther Steiner has left the Haas F1 team and of course has been replaced by Ayo Kamatsu. Lando Norris signed a contract extension with McLaren. Charles Leclerc signed a contract extension with Ferrari. F1 rejected Andretti's bid to join by 2025 and 2026. Lewis Hamilton left Mercedes, well, leaves, will leave Mercedes in 2025 to join Ferrari. Rumours are saying that he may even bring some of his Mercedes engineers with him, along with other high-profile signings from Red Bull, like potentially Peter Walsh. That's rumoured to be happening as well. One Mercedes seat is still currently unavailable, or sorry, available, I should say, for 2025. And Red Bull has launched an investigation against Christian Horner over allegations of which he has faced a hearing over those in an independent investigation. And that investigation is still ongoing at this point. F1 sprint race weekends have reshuffled to 2024, and we'll talk about that in this episode. And Sauber have allegedly faced legal issues due to their stake sponsorship because of the lack of licensing for gambling in Switzerland. I think I've pretty much covered everything there, Lee, but that is absolutely crazy. What 
what a winter break that we have had. And we still haven't even seen all the cars yet. Yeah, I mean, some people in Formula One decided they just miss the sport so much. They just make some nice stories for everyone to keep them intrigued for the new season. Normally, winter break is very boring. You get all your F1 withdrawal symptoms kicking. I know I normally do. But I haven't had it this winter because it's just been non-stop F1 off-track um, entertainment, so to speak. I haven't really had a chance to miss F1 myself, honestly, because I've been so busy making podcasts and talking about this and talking about that. And you've been a part of a lot of them as well. So, yeah, I, I like many people, I'm just looking forward to seeing F1 cars back on track on a regular basis. That being said, F1's hardly been away over this winter break has been absolutely crazy. I think someone went as far as saying there's been more excitement in the off-season than there was for the entirety of 2023. Not sure I believe that, but I can totally understand the point. Um, Of course, you know, we should put the disclaimer out before we go any further, Lee, that we are recording this on Thursday evening before the RB20 is revealed to the public. That launch is actually going to go on a few hours from now. So if you are listening to this on Monday or later on this week, you would have seen the RB20 at the launch. You'll know exactly what it looks like. So we're not going to pay too much reference to it in particular. I've already recorded a separate episode for that, or I will have done by the time that you've heard this episode anyway. So uh, everything will make sense when it's all out there and everybody can listen to it and it's all great. But for now, it's all a bit muddied, but we'll persevere. First thing I wanted to talk about, Lee, a bit of a news roundup. And one of the stories we already mentioned was the fact that Lewis Hamilton will be joining Ferrari in 2025. He's left the seat at Mercedes vacant in 2025. At this point in time, we do not know who is currently going to fill it, but it looks like, based on the latest news reports, there are two potential candidates, a plan A and a plan B, that Mercedes are looking at bringing in. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, Kimi Antonelli is their plan A, and Fernando Alonso is their plan B which is very interesting choices for different reasons. Yeah, very much so. Um, Fernando Alonso, we know, is currently contracted to Mercedes, well, not Mercedes, contracted to Aston Martin until the end of 2024 at least. But of course, he does have an option to extend that into 2025 if he wishes to. I'm sure Aston Martin would like to tie him down to a much longer deal, knowing that there is the potential that they could lose him to Mercedes. Oh, yeah, I mean... If it wasn't for Fernando last season, they would not have had a successful season as they did. And that and Fernando has been a great asset to that team regarding where they finished, the development of that car, and the the whole continuation of the journey of a champion, champion experience in the team and just bringing that team up to that next level. Obviously, Sebastian started that, but Fernando is obviously coming with taking that to the next, next gear. Um, so they want to secure that asset and he is an asset and he's performing on track he is as wily as ever on his on track manoeuvres and Fernando sniffs a gap and he'll take it at <laughs> best opportunity and he'll go for it and he'll methodically think it, he may have lost his own speed but he's never was the out and out fastest he was always consistent always persistent and he still got that yeah, I mean, Fernando, he's had a lot to say on these rumours linking in with a potential seat at Mercedes. And I, in typical Fernando Alonso fashion, he's not exactly batted those rumours away. He still is very much focused on what is going on at Aston Martin, but 
he obviously is definitely keeping an eye on what happens at Mercedes as well because if he does perform very well at Aston Martin and he realises that Mercedes are performing to a level where they could challenge Red Bull for a world championship in either 2025 or beyond, he'd be an absolute fool to completely ignore that and turn it down if the opportunity presents itself for him. Oh yeah, obviously the, it also depends how the, uh, the Astons go this season, obviously if he feels they have made a forward step or they're still treading water as well. But we know how driven Fernando is for that next world title. He is so close to and missed out on a couple, unfortunately, for him. Um, and he just wants that final title before he uh, eventually calls retirement. And he will take any opportunity to get in a faster car, a car that can be higher up the grid, faster car that can be in the championship fight. And he will take that both hands, even more than a gap on the track, he will take that faster car. Even if it implodes the team, he will take that car um, if an opportunity comes along his way. And so I'm sure he he's going to be pursuing that quite now relax see how it goes but as the season goes on i'm sure the uh the rumor mill will go start going into overdrive yeah absolutely and uh mercedes are in no rush to really make this this uh, decision this is a very coveted seat that lewis hamilton is leaving behind to go to ferrari where almost every single driver on the grid with the notable exceptions of course of perhaps max verstappen and charles leclerc and obviously hamilton because he's giving that seat up everybody else wants to be in that car so their options are certainly not limited at all. And, and Fernando Alonso, as we understand, according to the race, and in particular, the race journalist Mark Hughes reported on this, he is very much Mercedes plan B option. Now, that's a brilliant plan B option to have in, in this scenario. But I want to talk about the plan A. And the plan A for Mercedes at this point in time seems to be Kimi Antonelli. Now, if you don't know much about Kimi Antonelli, you're going to know about Kimi Antonelli by the end of this year, at the very least, whether he's in F1 or he's not. He's going to be driving in Formula 2 this year with the Prima team. He's had so much success in the junior categories. The accolades speak for themselves. F3 engineers and some other engineers that work in junior formula are touting this kid to be the next best talent of his age since Max Verstappen. Now, that is a huge mantle to live up to. But according to those in the know... He's very much capable of living up to that. Lee, in your mind, is having Kimi as a plan A option, is it too soon for a team like Mercedes to consider an F2 hotshot when we don't even know if he's going to be successful in F2 or not? I mean, he basically skipped through Formula 3 into this car. We are really down pushing the realms of the Max Verstappens here, aren't we? Well, I, I think that is really where Mercedes are looking. Obviously, as you already said, the local agrees already said he's the best thing since Max Verstappen. He is the next Max Verstappen. Um, obviously, that's high accolades in itself. And but a lower category in Formula One we know is very different. Um, so performing in one doesn't mean you can necessarily perform in the other, unfortunately. But Mercedes have learned their lesson regarding up and coming stars from what happened with Max Verstappen. Obviously, just to Remind everyone, before Max signed for Red Bull, uh, Mercedes obviously would try to sign him into their junior program and they'd take him up through the the lower categories and then get him into Formula 1 eventually. But Red Bull were like, we'll just give you a Formula 1 seat. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, okay. Um, and Mercedes lost out. So they don't want to lose out on this up-and-coming star. So securing him, and obviously they put him into uh, Formula 2. But if he performs well, they... They don't want to risk Red Bull 
for example, being one of their main rivals at the moment, poaching another one of their up-and-coming stars that Mercedes wants. So they want to secure him, have something that really enticing him to A, perform well, or B, knock away other bids that will come his way if he performs well because of the high accolades and the, obviously the performances he's done in the past. Yeah, I mean, this kid is a mega talent. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't wax over that. But I, from what I've seen of him, and admittedly, it's not a huge amount. He does look incredibly talented and he does look like a potential big star in Formula One in the future. But I have seen some people go on the internet and say, oh, according to some engineers, they never mention names or reliable sources in this. This kid is like a couple of seconds faster when he's doing practice compared to other people in the same cars. And I'm thinking, if he's a couple of seconds faster than people in junior categories, he'd probably already be in Formula One right now. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. We know Max Verstappen was special, but even when Max was pulled out of, what was it, Formula 3 straight into Formula 1, he wasn't even winning the championship that year. He was pulled out of it. I think it was Esteban Ocon that went on to win the uh, the series that year. And of course, you know, Esteban's doing quite okay in Formula 1 now. But just because it worked with Max Verstappen doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work the same with Kimi. That being said, of course... We're talking about Mercedes here, who seems to be much more methodical about this process rather than Red Bull, who just went in there. They took a huge punt on this kid, perhaps put him in there a little bit early. But I don't think you can argue with the results right now where he's a three-time world champion and he's very much on course to at least become a four, if not five-time world champion by the next regulation set. And he's still, you know, midway into his 20s doing that. So we can't knock the potential if it's there. But I think... We do have to remember not to get too carried away just because some people were saying this kid's going to be special. We've heard that about a lot of drivers and they've not really lived up to it. Yeah, obviously there there has been a few drivers that have come into Formula 1 that really dominated the lower categories and they've been, not obviously going to be anything insulting, but they've been a completely waste of a seat in a competitive Formula 1 because they've just not kept up to the, the performance in lower categories. Um, which is obviously disheartening for fans to watch their driver that have enjoyed watching in lower categories struggle. But it's also disheartening to see driver make silly mistakes that they didn't make in lower categories and then just can't survive the pressure. So it's, it's a fine balance um, from a, obviously a driver and a team to just do it right. And as you said, Red Bull did take a gamble on Max Verstappen and in the long run, they've been proven right. And that's obviously with what Mercedes have one of the lessons they've learned from what happened with them losing our max is they don't want to repeat with Kimi. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we've seen a few people compare this to Lewis Hamilton going to McLaren in his debut season and very nearly winning the world championship first time out. I, I, I get that, but I, I would caveat that and say, well, Lewis, how old was he? 22 yeah. at the time. You know, so n- not to play the age card here, but, you know, Kimi is 17. Unlimited testing. <laughs> well yeah that of course there was that element as well and that also kind of adds strength to the argument really that you know McLaren had the tools and Lewis had a bit more experience and obviously he'd proved himself at F2 to such a degree where you couldn't really hold him back much longer and even then McLaren were going to do that they were going to go with De La Rosa to be Fernando Alonso's teammate that season and boy would the world have been very different in Formula One if that was the case but uh you know, they made that decision and it worked out brilliantly for them. So 
we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm very excited by the prospect of this, but as I said already, I don't think Mercedes are going to rush into this. They will assess their options. I think Fernando Alonso is a much more realistic candidate for that seat than I think a lot of people let on because even if you put Fernando into that car instead of Kimi, you can put Kimi in the Williams next year. He'll be partnered up with Alex Albon. That'd be a great measuring stick for performance against a very solid driver like Alex Albon. And it will allow Kimi to go down the same route that, that George Russell went down before he was ready for a Mercedes seat. And, and imagine that's what Mercedes would want to do. But obviously this Lewis scenario has really forced their hand on this. Yeah, I mean, on the Lewis scenario, it completely caught Mercedes off guard, as I've said before in previous episodes. Mercedes may have been working on a long-term Lewis replacement. Obviously, George was the replacement for the team lead, um, but they needed someone to replace, effectively, George. And they were several years away from their plan because they really were the, had the impression that Lewis was going to be around for a couple more years yet. Um, and it's caught them off guard. I I do agree. I think uh, a driver coming, off, coming into the sport lower down the grid of such calibre means they can thrive and learn a bit more out of the high pressure scenario obviously it can work but even you can use the current world champion um max he made a lot of mistakes when he joined the sport he made a lot of mistakes even when he joined red bull he's obviously matured a lot and obviously the great driver he is today but doing bringing in a, a what is kimmy 17 so he'll say he should be 18 that's still um very young you don't want to destroy his career before it's over so it is a very fine balancing act. Yeah, very much so. And uh, he's going to be up against a solid teammate in Oli Behrman, who himself is obviously very young, an 18-year-old Ferrari prospect that they will be hoping he can get an F1 seat in 2025 as well. But uh, for obvious reasons, he's not going to be in the Ferrari in 2025. They're very locked up with that super team they've got cooking. So uh, it will be interesting to see how he gets on in Formula 2 this season. I I think a lot of people will probably back him to win it. And it would be very impressive to win it in his rookie season. Oscar Piastri managed it. George Russell managed it. And uh, Charles Leclerc obviously managed it too. So they're obviously going to... If they if he can match those drivers, then he's very much setting himself up well for a possibility at the Mercedes seat in 2025. And that would be a huge promotion that will get a lot of attention, I'm sure. Let's move on to the next story, Lee. Uh, the sprint race format has changed, or the sprint weekend format, I should say, has changed for 2024. Now, whilst F1 and the FIA haven't published the official list of races which will be hosting sprints this season, uh, I, I don't expect there to be too much of a change in terms of the volume. I think we're still getting six sprint races, as far as I'm aware, unless I'm mistaken. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking eight, but I'm pretty sure it's six this season. But the format has changed across the weekend. So last season... We had the main race qualifying on Saturday after the on Friday after the FP1 session. Then, of course, on Saturday it was reserved all for the sprint, and that was the sprint qualifying. And then we had the sprint race, and then of course we had the main race on Sunday. This season, it's changing. On Friday we're getting FP1, and then we're getting the sprint quali. On Saturday we're getting the sprint race in the morning, and then we're getting qualifying after that, and then we're getting the main race on Sunday. What are your original thoughts, Lee, on that new format change? Do you think it will be a success? Uh, I, for me, that's the change I wanted to see. Um, I really di didn't like the disconnect between the main Grand Prix 
and the sprint, and obviously, I mean, the main disconnect that the qualifying was on the Friday and then the event was on the Sunday. Um, so I think the weekend flows a bit better, um, bringing the, the main event qualifying the day before the race, like it is every other non-sprint weekend, like it has been in Formula 1 for the last uh, several years. So I think it makes logical sense to bring those two events back together. Um, and I think it will help the flow of the weekend a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it's better than what we had last season because I think the the pet peeve I had was having FP2. Like, it seemed pointless because everyone's locked into park Fermi conditions, so all you can really do is just run around for an hour or so. And some teams didn't even want to do that because they just thought it was a fruitless exercise uh, and they obviously didn't want to risk damaging the car when there'll be very little time to repair it. I would make one change to this, and that would be to move the uh move the sprint race i should know yeah move the qualifying session for the main race move it back to friday and the reason why i would do that is because if we have the sprint race in the morning on saturday i don't think the teams and drivers are going to want to risk too much in the sprint race because they'll want to make sure they qualify well for sunday's race I think there is a risk that we could get that this season where teams might be in a position where you say, well, look, try and go for it in the sprint race if you can. But because there aren't that many points available, you don't really want to risk damage in your car in a crash that we can't fix for qualifying for the main race. And then you end up at the back of the grid. So I think it would have been better for them to do one of two things, either move the main qualifying to Friday after FP1 because everything's locked in for part Fermi. You haven't got to worry about an extra practice session or anything like that. So you can do it all on Friday, which is fine. Have your main qualifying session then, then have your sprint quality, then have the sprint race, or just bin off the sprint qualifying session, have Friday. And actually, this is probably the preferred method before I continue with this. What I, what I want to do, if I was in charge, have FP1 and FP2 on Friday, make that all about practice as we normally get. Then Saturday... You have your sprint. You have your um, main qualifying session for the sprint race and the race, and then have the sprint race determine the grid for Sunday. Yeah, Does that make um, sense? It makes sense, but that, I was just uh, double checking the the part Fermi rules have changed as well for the sprint format. That between the sprint and the main event, you right. part Fermi will open. Which Why obviously though? It addresses some of the complaints that they had. From last season, where you get your car didn't get set up because you had no, you had no practice session basically. Like Texas, where obviously Lewis and Charles uh, ran the cars too low, which is why they were disqualified. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I I just think it would be better if they want more practice. I'd say just make Friday all about practice. FP one, FP two. And then have your qualifying session for the main race on Saturday, have the sprint race in the afternoon, and let that determine the grid. It makes the sprint race... like The, the best element of the sprint race, I, in my opinion, was the first version that they did, when the sprint race would... You know, you get points for it, but it also determine the main race on Sunday. I think that would have been a better way of doing it. But for some reason, they've taken the Park Fermi thing, if they have changed the rules on that, like you've mentioned, and completely missed the idea of what teams are wanting to do. Because the problem was you didn't want to have an FP2 session and do it when Park Ferme rules are locked. So you might as well just move it to address the complaints about lack of practice to Friday and then do all the sprint stuff and the race on Saturday and Sunday. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a theory. I'm sure they'll change it again uh, this time next year. 
<laughs> make well, another I mean, revision. Yeah, I mean, they'll push it despite themselves and despite what F1 fans are saying. I, I don't want to argue it too much because I feel like, like most F1 fans do with the Sprint Series, it's not something that a lot of people wanted, especially when it came out. And F1 are just going to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it to the point where it's not going away. So if we have to live with it, then, you know, try and make it, well, try and have it to a point where it's not really infringing on the other parts of the weekend. That's always been the issue. But it seems like F1 aren't addressing that. They're just trying to change things around and hope it works. But I don't really think they're listening enough to what a lot of people want to do. And although saying that, if they did listen to what people wanted, they'd bin the whole thing off altogether. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's why they're not listening to the fans. Yeah, I definitely don't think they're listening. But I think that's a common problem that Formula 1 has suffered for, for a while, even though they say they do listen to the fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's move on to the final talking point. And this is a bit more of a somber topic, but an important one nonetheless. Now, to this day, or so far, we haven't really spoken about this particular incident. And I'm, of course, talking about the incident involving Christian Horner, where he has been alleged to have, you know, been um, conducting coercive and controlling behavior towards a female employee within the Red Bull team um, allegations which Christian has emphatically denied and this of course has been subject to a separate investigation not one done at Red Bull one done at a separate London facility where Christian spent a lot of time talking to the investigators about these alleged allegations and you know given all the evidence I'd imagine that you'd have to give for those um the account of those events and as a result this news topic of course is very sensitive and it is very significant but it has brought up a lot of media attention it's also brought up a lot of stories that have done the rounds on the internet which probably lack credibility from the source but also some of them are absolutely crazy i mean we've seen some that have come say, suggesting that Stefano Domenicali is involved in this, Liberty Media are involved in this. Apparently, even Bernie Eccleston is involved in this, which is absolutely crazy. Why would Bernie be involved in an incident like this? I don't know. But I think it's it's getting to a point where it, it will get quite messy if people just don't allow the investigation to play out and then we'll find out what happens when all the facts are there. Yeah, it, it's... Definitely getting a bit messy regarding the media attention it's getting, which obviously I'm of the opinion that he's innocent until proven guilty and people should treat him as such, but that's not the, unfortunately, that's not how the, the media is uh, approaching this. There's a lot of malice that I think is going around, um, which I just don't think the sport needs. No, and no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I can, you know, just to prove how ridiculous this has gotten in certain elements, um, Bernie Eccleston on his own Instagram page, I didn't even know Bernie had an Instagram page. I thought that would be something that would be well too much for a man of his uh, man of his age to care about, quite That's frankly. His PA. After... That's not going to be Bernie. Well, no, of course <laughs> not. But it's, it's from the Bernie Eccleston official page. So it's legit. Why not? Let's yeah. go with it. But there was a post that was put out on that saying to clarify reports by newspapers that I'd urged or even suggested that Christian Horner should step down from his position at Red Bull is entirely untrue with the word untrue in block capitals. And that was obviously in reference to stories that were going around suggesting that Bernie had had a conversation with Christian and said to him, maybe it's best you step down. Now, 
Look, I'm not going to put words in Bernie Eccleston's mouth or make implications or suggestions to his character or anything like that because, firstly, I don't want to get sued. And secondly, obviously, you know, that's not really relevant to the story here. But overall, I think, well, say what, I think I agree with you, Lee, and I think a lot of people are starting to mention this. And we mentioned this on social media as well when we saw these stories going out, that this investigation will t- is taking place we're all going to have to be patient and just let it take place. We can't try and put pressure on people to do things or act in a certain way just because the story doesn't look great in terms of, you know, if you're Christian Horner, it doesn't look good on him. Um, We have to wait until the facts come out. We have to wait for the investigation to conduct itself. We can't really let ourselves get involved in potential internal politics or inferences that this is like a bit of a coup going on behind the scenes or a mutiny where certain people in certain elements are trying to get Christian out of Red Bull because there's been that power struggle ever since Dietrich Mateschitz passed away um, you know and all the other elements that come with that I'm not going to bring everybody that's involved in all of this but ultimately what it comes down to is an investigation in an entity where its team principal slash CEO has been alleged to have conducted coercive and controlling behaviour, which obviously is in poor conduct to a female employee. That's the main issue here. And I feel like that's all been stripped away because of all these other things that are completely irrelevant at this point in time until we get that final outcome. Oh, yeah, the, the, and that outcome is important, obviously, the, the alleged allegations. Um, the, the principle is, obviously, both parties are treated with respect and, and it's, is resolved in a, obviously a legal matter and then, and it's obviously an internal matter that's ongoing. Um, so it really just needs to be completed uh, and follow its course and there is no pressure or anything outside interaction on it because it, it, this affects people's lives and it's not just the sport or anything like that. These are people's lives and there could be big outcomes depending on how it goes and it needs to be done correctly. Well, I mean, not to draw comparisons, but we all remember, you know, during the winter break, one thing that was missing off the list is Toto and Susie Wolf were accused of, you know, coercive, not coercive behaviour. They were accused of, um, you know, collaborating with each other, with Susie in her position as the head of the F1 Academy, uh, working with the FIA and F1, being leaked potentially leaking information to Total Wolf that would benefit him as the team principal and CEO at Mercedes. And, you know, the amount of people that were sending online abuse to Susie and were discrediting her position and using it as a way to attack women was ridiculous. And and that lasted 24 hours. And then the allegations were dropped. It was all a load of rubbish. Um, But that does leave a lasting footprint. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend Christian Horner because I don't know the facts, simple as. So I'm not going to defend him and I'm not going to attack him. But I can imagine the amount of people that have made jokes at him or attacked him or used it as an opportunity to to batter him when they don't know all the facts just because they don't like him. And, you know, whoever this, you know, this poor woman is, I can imagine that, you know, if the allegations turn out to be true, how she must probably be feeling right now, that she's probably feeling quite isolated or in a difficult position at work. It's It gets to a point where a lot of people are just using this story for clicks and views and everything else, when reality is, guys, calm ahead should prevail, let the investigation play out, and then when we get the outcome, we move forward from there, regardless of what it is. Yep, and, and obviously at that point, it's something where we'll, 
we'll discuss the that outcome and it's um yeah and just hopefully it's uh it's completed um thoroughly and correctly yeah absolutely um it says craig slater from sky sports has put it we're all going to have to be patient i know a lot of people want to know what's going to happen but Christian, well, we know he's attended the Red Bull launch because we've seen leaks of the RB20 already on social media a couple of hours before the launch has taken place. And we know he's there because he's in the photos. Um, it's rumoured that he's also going to be at potentially at preseason testing next week when that all goes down. So we're just going to have to wait and see. I think the best thing to do is just leave the story there, let the investigators do their job, and then we'll just find out what happens when they've concluded that investigation and go from there. I think that's pretty much all that we need to say on this one, Lee. But um, that was the news roundup that we've done. As I said, pre-season testing is going to be happening in a couple of days' time. I'm very much looking forward to that. We've seen technically seen all the cars, although at this point in time, Lee and I will have to wait for the live launch of the Red Bull to get some more details. I'm eagerly awaiting what intricate technical details may be revealed because by the looks of it they're not rolling out the rb19 lee this is an rb20 or at least a launch spec version of it so that red bull episode that i've still got to record which i'll do later tonight uh regarding the technical stuff there will be some content on that rather than me just saying well it's the rb19 they've just painted it a little bit different yeah the obviously no spoilers to anyone um it it does look interesting <laughs> i look forward to the reveal like i have done every car so far this winter break they've put cannons on it so you know and i'm not even joking they have yes honestly i'm not even i could make this up but it looks like they've gone full mario kart this year they've put cannons on it so if anyone finds themselves in the poor position where they're in front of max verstappen he can just shoot them just blow them up get them out of the way poor charles leclerc i bet you won't be on pole position much this season now but that that max uh wins most of charles poles anyway so it doesn't bother (laughs) well in the off chance ferrari have got it right you've got that insurance policy hasn't he so uh maybe after lap one he thinks something's not right here charles is still winning the race i've got to do something but uh yeah (laughs) anyway i think that's what we've got time for on this one we're just going to be rambling on for ages here but uh if you enjoyed the episode guys make sure as always to uh like the podcast follow us on your favorite pod platform and don't forget to leave us a five star review i did say before that we are going to read some five-star reviews out. We have got a few, so thank you so much for that. But I'm going to do that in the predictions episode because I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to that one. I am very much looking forward to that one. And I've got the pleasure of announcing that we have got recorded footage of Luke and Courtney doing their forfeits. And those will be revealed as part of the predictions episode. So you won't want to miss that. That is going to be coming out next week, I think, the Friday on the final day of preseason testing, we will do. We will re- reveal the predictions episode, and of course, just a disclaimer: we won't know what's happened in preseason testing at that point because we're going to record it much early in the week. So, our predictions are going to be completely blind. So they're probably going to be absolutely rubbish. But until then, guys, we'll be back then for you with that episode. But until then, of course, make sure to stay safe as always. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast and remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 take care sports social podcast network